dragons, angels, demons, and more. That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, fellow Michigander, Troy Hooker. I cannot wait to share with you his new book, The Watcher Key. It's book one of the Descendants of Light series, and that's coming up next in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank you for your support. We've been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for 10 years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff, see what you can do. And as always, we cover your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click that pink follow button, and you'll never miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel for updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring my guests on board. Troy, how you doing? I'm good, Parker. It's an honor to be on the show with you. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with me on the show. I never take it lightly, so I'm so glad to have you. Well, thank you. Yes, I love being able to talk about books, writing, anything that I can uh, share about myself. And uh, so I just really appreciate you having me. What's really cool about our connection, dear listener, is the fact that I was only drawn to Troy at first because he was a Michigan author. And I realized I don't have too many local authors on board because I work with so many different people online. And what's even cooler is that we met in person very recently. Go ahead and tell them how we met. We actually met at uh, Realm Makers, which is a Christian writing conference for, I would say, the very unique fiction writers that like to dress up and maybe act as part of their characters or characters from movies and and whatnot. So we met at Realm Makers, and it was just a, a glorious and awesome opportunity to meet and to share stories and to really just kind of discover the writing world and other authors in the genre. What's interesting is that I was walking by the booth, and I heard someone say, are you Parker J. Cole? And I turned around like, yes. And it was actually Troy's wife, Stacy. And Stacy's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be talking to you next month. I had no idea you were going to be here. And I said, neither did I. I had no idea you were going to be here either. So it was really cool to just touch base. And when I say touch base, that's literally what we did because there is so much going on at Realm Makers that unless you guys set an appointment or just say, hey, we're going to go out to lunch or dinner and chit-chat, you are full when you're at Realm Makers. And for those of you who know, I've always been a supporter of Realm Makers. It's for Christian speckled the fiction authors or authors who are Christian who love speckled the fiction. And like I said, you have your space captains, your elven kings and queens, your aliens. You have everyone there who loves speckled the fiction. Now, some of our listeners may be saying, well, what were you doing there, Parker? Because you're romance. <laughs> you know, what do you do? And I'm thinking to myself, hey, I do like to read people. So, <laughs> so that's why I was there. And we do have to tell our listeners the big thing that happened at Realm Makers. Go ahead and tell them what happened. Well, this year at Realm Makers, we, as a publishing company, or our publishing company, Descendant Publishing, had its first author come out with his debut novel called Infernal Fall, and uh, his name is Brian Mitchell. So we published this book back in October, 
and we did enter it in some of the uh, awards, especially the uh, cover and the horror categories, and had no intentions of, you know, winning anything. But Brian was able to take home two Realm Awards this year, both for the cover and in his genre, his category. And so we are just so thrilled to be able to have Brian on board. And that was a God moment, too, because I believe God brought Brian into our publishing company and just to meet us and get to know us before, you know, we felt like we should publish him. And and so that was just an honor to be able to walk away with two awesome Realm Awards. And uh, we just congratulate Brian for that. And Brian's going to be on the show soon. And those of you who have been following the show for some time, you know, I love to showcase horror authors because horror authors get a bad rap in Christian fiction. And It is literally one of the best genres to really depict the human condition. And in Brian's book, the cover of it shows this guy falling through the flames of hell. And it is so eerie, creepy, and just draws you in. You're wondering what's happening. So that is the book we're going to be talking about later on for this show. But right now we're talking to Troy. He is the owner of the publishing company. Tell us a little bit about Descendant Light Publishing. Descendant Publishing actually began in 2019, and one of the reasons we did start Descendant Publishing was, I don't know, there was a prompting from God as I'm writing and publishing my own books that I really enjoyed the process of publishing, and I saw these other authors that were trying to do the same thing. They're struggling with, how do I publish my book? There are so many different resources out there. What do I do to make this book awesome and, you know, bring it before the public and readers? And so I feel like it was a prompting from God that as we're publishing our book, we're learning so incredibly much about the process itself and what to do that I feel like God has kind of prompted us to, you know what, let's bring on other authors. Let's help them in their journey towards publishing and help them create something that's wonderful and unique and different. And so I think throughout that process, God of publishing my own books, that God has allowed Descendant Publishing to grow and just become what it is today. I think, too, the publishing arena is a massive organism that constantly shifts and turns, especially with the advent of ebooks. And I'm an old fogey, and I remember life before ebooks. It was not easy to publish. You had your gatekeepers. Then the Zong comes along and changes the gameplay. And because they changed the gameplay, it made it easier for people with smaller voices to obtain their tribe. But how do you obtain your tribe? How do you start to market on social media? So many things now are driven by the online platforms that we are a part of. And so you have to navigate that. And for some people, it can be thoroughly confusing. It can be a nightmare for some people. They don't know what to do. And then there are people out there who will scam you and take your money. How do you help authors obtain their dream to become a writer who's published with your company? Well, you know, that's an awesome question because it really comes down to the fact that, you know, my first book, I did all the things the wrong way. So when we actually published the book back in 2018, you know, I probably should have done more research on how to publish books better, but the industry was changing during that time. And like you said, smaller authors are now coming to the forefront. They're able to do things that, you know, previously only traditional large publishers could offer 
to authors. And so what I did with my first book is everything the wrong way. You know, the, the chapters were not the right links. The cover we had sent away to someone who was a brilliant illustrator. However, they had no idea about creating a cover design and what that looked like. And then towards the end of actually publishing the book, we had it sent off to be printed with many, many errors and all these different revisions we really wanted to put into it and had it printed 500 copies of this flawed manuscript, this flawed book. So my book now is on its third revision. It's gone through editing probably three times. So not only me as an author has learned and grown, but the book itself has transformed multiple times to become what it is today. And so I wanted to help other authors in these barriers that they are encountering, these things, these pitfalls that I went through myself, uh, spent a lot of money and a lot of time, hours upon hours, doing things the wrong way. I wanted to help other authors avoid some of these pitfalls and do things right the first time so that they're able to kind of get their footing on a path towards publishing in the future that's going to set them up and really create a successful journey for them. And I think that's the key is that it is a journey. Just like in your book, they go on journeys and have adventures. The journey is part of the process of being an author. You at first have to hit these pitfalls and you learn throughout the process. I think some authors give up when they hit the first roadblock because they don't have someone helping them to navigate this very tumultuous terrain, if you will, of publishing. And I always joke with authors who reach out to me for help. I say, I think I've made every mistake, so you don't have to. <laughs> so I understand that need to help authors navigate this thing called being an author. And they're not, a lot of authors, especially the smaller ones, they're not trying to be J.K. Rowling. They just want to have their tribe that follows their work and is invested in their career. I think a lot of authors would like that. So let's go ahead and talk about your journey to authorship. When did you know that this was something that you wanted to do? Well, I'll just be totally honest with you. I'm still working through that, you know, and, and maybe it's just a personal struggle of my own that I take to God on a regular basis. But, you know, as a creative, you have to wonder, is it ever really going to pay the bills? Am I doing something that God, I believe that in his will and building his kingdom is going to bless? So I feel like that's a constant journey that has to happen. When do you feel like this is something that I wanted to do? So I can't really say that there was a specific time. However, I do look back at a moment where I just kind of, I was reflecting on my life and I was reflecting on the things that I was doing. And, you know, as I've gone through college and, and whatnot and became a teacher and, and all these different things, but there was a moment where I'm like, you know what, I want to know what is that thing that I do? Like you look at a gymnast and they spend their entire life training to become a gymnast and this powerful, amazing person emerges out of this training, and that's their whole life. That's what they've set themselves up to do. But I didn't, never felt like I had that. And so I reflected for a good period of time, and I can always go back to the fact that when I was a kid, I loved to write. I'd write comic books, I'd write poems and different things. It was a great way for me to express myself. And I had a lot of people tell me, you know what, Troy, you're a pretty good writer. This is something maybe that you should do. 
so during this reflection, I'm like, you know what, maybe this is something I need to launch out on. And so I did. 10 years ago, I wrote my first chapter of my first book, and then I set it aside <laughs> because life gets in the way. And that's right about the time that I started teaching. So as far as a journey, it's a, been a development over the years. I think you bring up some interesting points that a lot of new authors have, particularly within the Christian realm. We understand the sovereignty of God working in our lives to do this thing called writing. And as Christians or authors who are Christian, depending on the semantics you want to use, we want to make sure that what I am doing, that it matters. Will it uplift the kingdom? And I think Christian authors struggle with this the most because they look about and say, well, I'm not going to have the same type of stories that sell. Like some Christian authors, they don't want to talk about sensuality. Some Christian authors don't want to talk about violence. Some Christian authors feel as if they can't talk about fantasy or sci-fi. And I've had the pleasure of interviewing all of these types of authors on the show over the years. But it is a struggle that Christian authors have. Is what I'm doing matter? But I would say you've expanded that to not just being about yourself, but using your experiences to help other people, which kind of helps to mitigate, well, even if I don't succeed from this, I can help other people succeed. And we see that with Brian Mitchell's book, where you were very influential in getting that book to where it is now as a publisher. So I think you should pat yourself on the back. Thank you. I would say my wife would probably disagree with you on on uh, when to pat me on the back. Because <laughs> 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 we're not there yet. Of course, it's still a journey, but we have enjoyed the process immensely. I mean, just being able to talk with authors and help them through struggles and teach them about marketing techniques and strategies. And it's, it's really cool. In fact, we have a new author that's coming on with us, and uh, we haven't even revealed anything about her yet or really her book, but her name is Tommy Mitchell or Tommy uh, uh, Michelle. I'm sorry, Tommy Michelle. We have a Brian Mitchell and a Tommy Michelle, but she is an incredible writer that has also come to us, by the way. I believe that God has kind of presented to us. And that's kind of the story for Descendant Publishing. It seems to be that God is laying these authors in our lap that, you know, want us to publish and move forward. And so that's the confirmation that we get that as publishers, that while we're not necessarily where we'd like to be yet as a uh, company, as a business, but God is constantly confirming with these amazing people that he sets in our lap to publish. And it's so cool to watch Tommy's journey as a young author, and she's brand new, to go through the whole editing and coaching process and bring her manuscript to what it is today. And so her book comes out along with Brian's second book in October, right at the same time. And so we're super excited about these things. And God has supplied every one of our needs along the way. And so we're just so thankful for that. And it brings me to segue into your story, which would be the first book, actually, probably, not the first book, one of your first books with Descendant Publishing, and it's called The Watcher Key. And for those of you listening, this is a young adult fantasy, and I loved every word of the story. It's really a nice, thick book for you to lose yourself in. Troy's prose is phenomenal, very descriptive. 
and it also brings in interesting ideas for you to consider. It's a mishmash of thoughts, ideas, worlds, writing, just a lot of things are going on here. And for those of you who know, yes, there's a romantic element in it. It's not huge, but it's there. <laughs> and so, hey, which saves the story from obscurity, in my opinion. No, I was joking. But I love the story. I loved reading it. So I want to go ahead and peel back the veil and the pages of The Watcher Key. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about The Watcher Key. Well, this was uh, my debut novel. And like I said, it started back in 10 years ago with the first chapter, which is now the prologue of the book because it's so different than the rest of the book. But it was such a fun story to write because there were so many different elements floating around in my head about different Bible stories and things that have you know, occurred. And then I've had some inspiration from you know, some really great writers, you know, Harry Potter and, and Lord of the Rings. And so this story is, I would say, the culmination of all these dreams and thoughts that were in my head to create this narrative that just I really enjoyed putting together. So I'll tell you a little bit about the book. It's about a 15-year-old boy named Sam who, while living with his grandfather in a remote town, he meets some really interesting friends that reveal an extraordinary secret about themselves. They are the descendants of immortal beings. One of his friends, Emma, when she tells him this, she also hints that she believes Sam might be one of these descendants as well. So Emma and her small group of other descendants eventually convince Sam to follow them through a portal hidden in a cave where the strange world of Lior resides on the other side. So according to Emma, Lior is created specifically for the descendants in a different realm from Earth, mainly to keep the mortals and immortals separate. But as Sam passes through this portal, he finds Lior to be like a wondrous place. It's full of dragons and giants, amazing scenery, uh, and he's immediately awestruck the moment he sees it. Then they take him to the city of Lior called the City of Light, and that's where their eventual home is going to be someday. But aside from its beauty, Lior is also the home of dark lords and their fallen descendants who are doing their best to destroy the light and the descendants in any way they can. So in my first book, The Watcher Key, they explore this amazing world and also discover that there is a plot by the dark forces that could alter all of their fates and potentially destroy Lior. So Sam and his friends, they're on, then tasked to go on a quest to find an ancient artifact, the Watcher Stone, which may or may not be the key to uncovering this plot by the darkness and stop the dark forces. But throughout the plot, Sam is discovering more and more about his past, uh, his gifts using light as a weapon, and uh, some of the really tough, deep down struggles that he's going to face throughout the journey. As they go on the journey, they quickly discover that the dark forces are onto them. And in the end, there's some big confrontations that happen with these terrible beings near the end. And then I do not like to tell most readers this, but the book does end up dropping you off a cliff right at the end uh, and leads right into book two. And some people take issue with cliffhangers. They really do. And in this case, it, he literally kicks you off a cliff. And so you're like, so what happens next? You know, and so you have to get the second book. And thanks be to God, they're, all three books are available. So if you can't wait till the next time we have them on the show, go ahead and pick up your copy today, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are. So go ahead and pick them up today. Now, here's the thing I want to do first, dear listener. 
I'm going to share with you a audio clip of just the first few pages of the Watcher Key. And then when we come back, we'll dig some more into the Watcher Key. Here we go right here. Prologue. The Commissioning. The clouds on the horizon were burning puffs of black and gray as the young woman stumbled out of the stone structure. In her arms was a tiny bundle wrapped in a dull white blanket, which she clutched in such a way that one could see its contents were of great value. She was young and slender, and her amber hair, drawn up behind her head, revealed a soft but tired face. At first glance, with her ornate cream dress and delicate lace patterns that adorned it, she looked out of place in the cavern that surrounded the archway. If one were to look closer, however, they would see a dirty and torn garment, the stains revealing signs of a rough journey behind her. For a moment she looked around, blinking as though just stepping into an intense light, then intently checked the bundle she carried carefully, as if surveying it for any harm. Finding none, she surveyed the scene in front of her, and then emerged from the cavern into the forest. The trees were dark and too still, and wisps of the first traces of a storm front were passing through the tall pines overhead. Keeping watch behind her, she made for the heart of the forest, keeping the moon to her left as she hurried, the bundle close to her chest. Pace and need to glance back suggested she was running from an unknown darkness behind her. As the woman with the bundle put distance between herself and the archway, she moved more slowly, as though suffering from immense pain with each step. I will not give in to the pain, she told herself coaxing her weary legs along the path below the trees. She used the large pines for support as she limped forward, muttering strange phrases that sounded much like prayers under her breath. Slowly, a dark cloud crept up around her, engulfing the trees towering above the needle-laden forest floor. She could barely see which way the path was moving, and now she doubled over every few hundred meters from the stabbing pain in her stomach. No longer could she spare the strength to watch for the invisible dangers she expected. She could only push herself on toward the unknown destination on Earth, where she hoped she would find her father and safety. All at once, just as the panic set in from not knowing her location, she emerged from the edge of the pines. She halted suddenly, staring at the little light on the opposite end of the clearing in front of her. High above, the clouds had moved in suddenly, a swirling mass of charcoal against a moonless sky. A streak of lightning bolted her out of her trance. Deep, throaty thunder chased the flash, booming low and angry through the earth beneath her feet. If she could just make it across the clearing to the cabin, she could rest, and she could find help. The thought gave her a renewal of strength, prodded her body to finish the last part of the painful journey. Her breaths were drawing shorter and tighter, and her knees were buckling, but she moved along, holding the white bundle securely to her chest. Only half of the field was behind her when she knew she could not go any further. Collapsing in a heap in the grass, she clutched the bundle in desperation to protect it from the fall. Her eyes closed just as the cool rain began to pelt the side of her face. 
Now, that was a phenomenal quick excerpt from the story. And I would love our listeners to know a little bit about the guy who's narrating this clip for you. Well, his name is James Leach, and it was a really awesome way that God brought him into our lives. I had been looking for an audiobook narrator for quite some time for The Watcher Key. And, you know, being a large book, 146,000 words, you know, it's going to be a definitely an investment to make this happen. And so it's one of those things that kind of put off for a while. But along the way, I've been researching narrators, and I just could never find which narrator fit the role best. And so along comes this guy, James, at one of our homeschool conventions that we were selling books at. And he just stops and he sees the dragon and he's immediately drawn into this booth, our booth. And we start talking and he comes to find out he loves to narrate things, although he's never narrated a book in his life. And he's amazing. He can change his voice to almost fit every other accent out there in the world. He's eccentric. He's awesome. And so he says he's going to send me a clip of narrating. And we just got to talking about it. He sends me this clip later on, and it's absolutely perfect for this role. And so we come to, you know, talking about this, and he is agreeing to go ahead and and do the narrating for this book. And I'm like, wow, this is such a God moment to bring the perfect narrator into us. I've been going out searching for this, you know, the right role, and God brings him to us. And so we're just super excited that the audiobook version is on the way. I think he's about a fourth of the way through because it's such a long book, but we're excited to be able to share that at some point in the future. I want to piggyback on something that you said. You may mention that you met your audio narrator at a homeschool convention, and this really segues into a point I want to make about The Watcher Key. The Watcher Key is a young adult book, but it doesn't have the heavy centralization of young adult in the general market that we have, but it's also not a safe book, and I think that's really important for young people who are looking for something to read that isn't heavily sensualized, or in this case, the young adult books that are on the market today in the general realm, they tend to be written for the adults who are reading them and not for the kids who want to read them. So would you say, what is the age limit for The Watcher Key? Well, I would say that, you know, initially my thoughts were the age of the character, so 15 years old and above. However, we've recently kind of revised that downward to maybe 13 and above, but The interesting thing is we actually met a girl and her mom at the homeschool convention, and she was nine years old, and she picked up my book and is reading it now, and I just thought that was interesting because she's a brilliant, and and if you don't know homeschool kids, they are brilliant people. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're not, the stereotypes on Hollywood have nothing on the homeschool children. And I was joking with one of my uh, author friends, Troy, her name is Tisha, and her kids were doing something. I said, your kids don't count. They're homeschooled, <laughs> something like that. But please continue what you're saying. So, you know, our initial thought was 12 to 18, 13 to 18 years old. But it's interesting because I do have a lot of younger readers that like to dive into it. And then I have some older readers that love the book. In fact, there's this gruff old fire chief from my church, and we love him to death because he reads everything that we put out. 
but he absolutely loves my books and he's, you know, upper older, he's retired and moving to Florida. But so there's a wide range. And I think that's probably where I live in my head as a 47 year old author. I still have that some adult, you know, young adult mental way of thinking. And so I can connect with readers at that age, but I think I can also connect with some of the, you know, more, I wouldn't say darker elements, but more serious elements with the uh, older authors as well, or older readers as well. Well, if people want to get in contact with you, where can they find you online? TroyHooker.com is a great place to go. I actually keep a lot of what I'm doing. I do keep up a blog as well, and, and that could, contains like uh, writing updates and where I am with my new series that's going to be coming out hopefully by the end of the year called Demon Tide. And that's going to be another young adult series that uh, I'm really excited about because it's been fun to write. But they can go there. They can also go to Descendant Publishing and they can buy the book directly from there and I will sign it and send it to them. And there's other things like merch and, and different things they can find as well. Rava. So you can tell, dear listener, there's going to be all kinds of ways for you to connect with Descendant Publishing and with Troy's book. And I can't wait to get more information about your new series that you have coming out. So very exciting things are on the horizon. So keep it tuned right here with Right Stuff. Now, Troy, this show is always about encouraging the inspiring author out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. So go ahead in the few moments that we have left encourage our authors out there today? Well, I'm, I'm going to start with the fact that, you know, if you are an aspiring writer or author, then you should pursue that gift because maybe it's something that God has laid on your heart to do. You know, and not every writer, when they pick up a pen or when they, you know, get to their keyboard is going to put out this beautiful prose that's going to be published worthy it takes work. It takes honing of skills. It takes learning from other authors, how they have done things before, but it is a rewarding, amazing process to go through. And so I do actually have some advice for writers that I give to them on a regular basis. And that is, first of all, write every day because those few moments, even if it's like 250 words that you can get down on your computer, you are in that story. You are engaging with that thing and constantly having your brain connected to what it is you're writing. And so when you step away from it, you have a tendency to, you know, not be as connected with the story in the future. And so I say to authors, write every day. And pantsers, if you don't know what a pantser is, they write by the seat of their pants. I also tell them, don't ignore planning. Some planning is good. And outlining your story, it helps you to avoid those plot holes that can develop. And then, of course, my final, I'm going to say this, and, and this is the most important thing to me as a writer, as a publisher, as whatever it is I'm doing, is God is the most important reader of your work. And so honor him with your writing. I love what you said, Troy, and especially how the Lord is the one who really benefits, not benefits, who really is honored when we write. So I'm so glad you mentioned that to our aspiring authors out there today. Troy, thank you so much for being with me on the show. I really enjoyed having you. Can I wait to have you back and have you back real soon? Thank you, Parker. It's been an honor to be on the show with you, and I do look forward to the future uh, time when we can talk again. 
And we were talking today to Troy Hooker. He is the author of the book, The Watcher Key, which is book one of the Descendants of Light series, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. If you want a signed copy of the book, make sure you go to his website, get your copy today. One thing that I loved about Troy is that he has such a heart for helping other people do this thing called writing. But you can't do this thing if you don't start. One thing he said is to write every day, even if it's about 250 words a day. You're engaged, you're active, your mind is constantly in the realm of your story. So what are you doing? Go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I came from a low income family that was, that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. 